0: Many thanks to Spark for being the presenting sponsor of African Tech Roundup's podcast mini-series on the entrepreneurial progress being made in some of the world's most vulnerable states. Spark is a Dutch NGO that bridges the gap between higher education and entrepreneurship in fragile and conflict-ridden regions of North and Sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. To learn more about Spark and the opportunities they're creating, visit sparkonline.org. That's spark-online.org. In this podcast, I chat with the co-founder and manager of an organization operating in Somalia and Somaliland called O'Don, which translated to English means job seeker. O'Don serves up programs designed to help unemployed and out-of-school youth acquire marketable work and life skills. Many of these initiatives are delivered thanks to strong partnerships the organization has struck with local communities, government, international NGOs, and the indigenous private sector. My guest studied for a computer science degree at the University of Westminster and has gained a wealth of hands-on management experience while working in the youth employment, entrepreneurship, and education space in Somalia and Somaliland. So, listen in for insight into the health of the region's growing entrepreneurship support ecosystem and to get a sense of what interventions are working well and why. This podcast was taped at the fringes of Spark's sixth annual Ignite Conference, a premier gathering of refugees, entrepreneurs, educators, private sector actors, government leaders, academics, and NGOs. This is an independent African Tech Roundup production. The opinions expressed by me, your host, and those of my guests did not necessarily reflect the opinions of the presenting partner, Spark.
1: Hi, my name is Mustafa Othman. I'm the Communication and Technology Manager for a local organization
0: based in Somalia and Somaliland. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup, Mustafa. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about your organization. You're, you're also a founder. That's what you left out of your description rather, rather humbly. You, you founded this organization. Tell us a little bit about it, why you exist and what you do.
1: Okay, Shigadon is a local organization. Uh, we have about uh, five offices now. Uh, with 50 employees working there. Um, we founded the organization in 2011, and uh, it was actually a spin-off of a funded project by Education Development Center. And um, ever since, we, we, we've been working on the areas of youth employment, entrepreneurship, private sector development, and technology for development.
0: Share how you identify a pocket of need and then sort of formulate a strategy for, for plugging that gap. I suppose you, you might explain your model as part of that explanation?
1: The way we formulate need is, of course, we work with the communities. We, we with the communities we work with, we, you know, all our programs is grounded to the roots. Uh, Our offices are are obviously equipped and uh, staffed by local people, uh, local staff that understand the context, that understand the communities. And so one of our first areas, of course, is talking to the communities, understanding their needs, and obviously using design thinking approach. To design programs that will impact them
0: how do you finance this process
1: well we have two finance mechanisms one is the donor funding uh, we bid for uh, you know funds donor funds some of our work and others we are a social enterprise and we provide uh, mobile uh, services to organizations and companies wh- whether it's uh, sms systems ivr systems and these allow us to generate revenues for us to continue with our work even without donor funding
0: as a percentage of your revenues, what's donor-funded versus uh, revenue-generated by other means? About
1: 30% is actually uh, from our social, uh, from our aggregator work, and the rest is um, uh, donor funding.
0: Right, so I haven't been to Somalia or Somaliland, and uh, I'm sure many members of our audience have not either, and there are unfortunate stereotypes that immediately come to mind when one thinks of those places, so for our benefit really just give us a sense of the landscape with specific regards to the the ecosystem that provides support for entrepreneurs looking to to found businesses so
1: Somalia and Somaliland are you know just recovering from um, years of conflict um, some parts are more developed than others and some are only recently been liberated from uh, extremist groups so you can understand in some in some levels some are better than others and some are not. So if I start with Somaliland, for example, Somaliland now it's uh, really uh, has been having peace for the last twenty plus years, uh, twenty eight years. Uh, they declared themselves as an independent country, but uh, a lot has been happening, and uh, there's a lot of um, supporting organizations that support entrepreneurs. Uh, for example, some who support you know women organizations, some who support startups. Uh, So, for example, one example is the new sort of innovation hub we recently built called Harhab or Hargeisa Hub. So Hub uh, supports startups, early stage startups, whether it's uh, tech-based companies or whether it's non-tech-based companies. And um, the facility really provides um, uh, incubation uh, services and a space for young people to come together, feel safe
0: and be creative and come up with ideas that they can uh, ignite the ideas. I suppose part of my motivation in asking the question is I'm aware that in any ecosystem there are the interventions and the projects in the space that make funders look good and feel good about themselves and they're the ones that actually work and make a difference. From that standpoint, what would you say the health of the, the support ecosystem is? If I were to throw a stone at a random assortment of entrepreneurs that are based in your region. What do you think their response might be in terms of their sense of the level of support they receive and in terms of how that support translates into actual business progress?
1: To be honest, um, one of the main challenges that young entrepreneurs face is access to finance. And this really is one of the main um, crippling areas and also there are a lot of institutions that provide support. However, they may not have the you know, necessary skills to be able to provide the support that these companies need. For example, if it's a tech-based company who really, you know, you have some bright ideas who have, um, wants to you know, become the next Google, there isn't really a, a sort of a hub or even you know, before hard hub that we were trying to do now to actually support this. One of the major issues also facing youth is accessing financing from banks. Because banks require, you know, guarantors, they require, you know, fixed assets which these youth do not have. And also, you know, policies in terms of starting our business is also not uh, well established. And it costs a lot of money for somebody to register a business. And we've, we as Shagadan have lobbied for this to change and hopefully we're we'll trying to get some results in the coming year. So... Uh, There are some other organizations that provide, you know, there's hubs, a few hubs that is now springing up, uh, providing support. But there are so many challenges uh, that are facing them. Uh, Also, you know, the education system in in the region, in Somalia and Somaliland also, is also another major challenge uh, because you'll get a lot of universities, uh, students who are graduating, but who do not really have the skills to be marketable or to to nurture their ideas into something um, that will, you know, result in getting them financing so we've been working with you know for example universities and the ministry of um, education to include entrepreneurship in education and now some change has happened and some universities are now adding that into their um, into their work
0: so what do you consider your primary mission as an organization given that landscape
1: our primary mission really is to to nurture these entrepreneurs
0: and by that what do you what do you mean nurture and how how early are these entrepreneurs are you trying to Um, help them prepare for a world beyond the borders of Somalia and Somaliland? Are you trying to catch them younger than even high school age? What does nurture mean in in your context?
1: So for us, okay, how we're different from other organizations and other other institutions is that we really focus on people who have ideas, but who may not have the right uh, resources, number one, and secondly, the skills to make it happen. So as long as you have a great idea, and you need the support you need uh, to, to to grow your business and your idea into something that will lead to a business plan, and then uh, the business itself being implemented is what we focus on. So it's not about supporting existing businesses, but supporting people who have great ideas and help them along the way through training. So we have an accelerator program, help them along the way through trainings, and help them develop their business plans and really think about their business ideas. Help them, you know, do budgeting and forecasting, and then once done helping them gain funding whether it's through loans or grants or crowdfunding
0: so you've referenced uh, in passing public private partnerships you've spoken about lobbying government to enact policies that promote your mission as an organization there are other innovation architects like you in other parts of the world certainly on the continent but perhaps elsewhere who are trying to crack this whole public private partnership thing um, so reflect on your own experience and give them some tips.
1: Okay, so through this uh, through our programs, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, successes. Um, number one, uh, you know, universities now including entrepreneurship as part of their curricula. We've seen um, more attention from the government in supporting young people to become entrepreneurs. So, for example, Somaliland government has now uh, announced a youth fund, which they are now planning to put between two hundred to a million dollars uh, of funding in there to support uh, startups. We've also been talking to the Ministry of uh, Commerce about you know, easing the fees that the entrepreneurs uh, have to pay to be able to register their business. And now you know, we're, we're working with them to see how that can, can be done.
0: I also heard of one of the biggest banks in Somalia starting an innovation fund, is that correct?
1: Yes, it's uh, a bank called um, Premier Bank, uh, which only very recently you know, announced a new fund for youth, a million dollar fund, which is really, really good. We have, don't have much details on this yet, but they've really only recently announced it, which is, is a really good um,
0: step. So give me a sneak peek at your playbook, at engaging government, at making the phone calls or the, the overtures towards, towards business or, or grant funded organizations. How are you engineering your engagement in this regard and you know, share in a way that might help other people learn from your experience?
1: Well, the key to this is, uh, I think for us, we've been in the, in the business for, for now for over eight years. Over the eight years, we've been, uh, people have, you know, came to learn our quality of work. They've came to know, you know, our unity and our expertise and appreciate that. So uh, governments will, will listen when, you, when they know what you're talking about. Uh, private sector companies and, you know, institutions um, that may, you know, fund or sponsor specific programs will listen because they know of your quality of your work. So one of the key successes is actually uh, your, your quality. You have to emphasize, because you see a lot of organization may just chase the money, where others actually build expertise on one sector and focus on that sector, to ensure that they, they, they are supporting and being impactful in that sector. And this, I think, one of our key areas is that. Secondly, um, most of our staff are experts. So uh, we have um, staff who have been working with us and working in this sector for like 15 years, 10 years, who are really experts in what they're doing. And um, again, this also builds trust with with banks and other institutions, because once we refer people to them to to finance, they they know that they've gone through a very stringent process and that uh, they are likely not to fail. So these are some of the ways we're trying to do this. And also uh, good relationships with with whether it's government and whether it's the financial institutions and our donors. And also, um, in terms of donors, donors uh, love, love, of course, success. And um, one of the most important things is you need to be able to showcase your success and show the good stories and, and the work you're already doing.
0: Is it fair to say that the definition of success is, uh, is a contentious issue? And so, for that reason, you know, define it for me. What does success look like for you in the short or medium term? How does that definition sometimes, perhaps, come into conflict with what a donor might register success
1: our success really is it's creating jobs and as long as we can create one job that for us is, is a major success so in all of our work anything we're doing is all about creating jobs so if we do a training for a business our aim and focus is for them to grow and then create a new job for a youth if we're trying to you know support a new business to to launch we want that business to create more opportunities and more jobs for youth. So, our, for us, you know, our success really equals to the number of jobs that we create on an annual basis.
0: And so, that's the big scoreboard you have in your boardroom. That's going okay. So, we hit a thousand this year. Everybody, do those wins register as wins for everybody you work with, and if not, why?
1: So there's always attention in organisations, and that's very, very normal. But, but yeah, but not everybody sees it that way. Um, some people. You know, see the vision as the the way to go. Some people may you know see it in a different way, but for most of the people, especially the senior staff, understand what the vision and the focus is. And uh, uh, and this is you know, it all depends on your leadership as well, how you lead your team and how you lead the organization.
0: We're taking a quick break to tell you a little more about Spark, the presenting sponsor of the series. Spark is a Dutch NGO with a difference. Since being founded by two Dutch students in the 1990s. To stem the degradation of higher education in the Balkans, the organization has grown to deliver expert services in 15 of the world's most vulnerable countries, including Libya, Liberia, and Syria. Spark bridges the gap between higher education and entrepreneurship by providing scholarships to displaced people, catalyzing student participation through civic leadership, and providing entrepreneurs with the support they need to succeed. To learn more about how Spark is rebuilding futures through vocational education and SME growth programs in the Middle East, as well as North and Sub-Saharan Africa, visit sparkonline.org. That's spark-online.org. And now, back to the conversation. What about the incentives that basically influence the foreign aid cycle? Do you find that the incentives that make that world spin are in line with what you would like to see happening in Somalia and Somaliland?
1: Yes, I mean, there's some interesting things are happening. Uh, in the past, um, you know, it was a top-down approach by, by donors. So donors would tell you, oh, this is what we're going to do, you know, can you do this? But now it's donors are saying, okay, you come up with the ideas, you know your problems better than us, tell us, what do you guys need? you need, uh, you know, do you need to do this, or do you need to do a you know, new road, for example, or do you need to do a new training center? What do you guys want to do? So now it's becoming more from the bottom, bottom up. And this is really good and interesting and that we are seeing this and it only happened probably in the last you know three years it's been happening now it's really encouraging
0: give me some specific hopes and dreams perhaps even more tangibly um, objectives that you have for your organization and perhaps broadly speaking for the people you serve in the short term say two to five years in the in the medium term perhaps 15 to 20 what do you want us to be back on the mic on in two years' time and five years' time talking about or reflecting on as successes that you have under your belt?
1: Uh, short term, uh, really, is, is trying to create as many jobs for youth as possible.
0: Okay, so you've said that. Yeah.
1: Secondly, um, one of the reasons why we're doing this is also to stop young people from migrating because this is another thing that's happening to the region in Somalia, Somaliland, is brain drainage. All the young, smart guys are leaving the country. So we're going to see how we can, you know, in the short term, stop that, show that there's opportunities, show that there's ways of these youth can make it in their country without going abroad and, and you know, uh, trying to um, uh, migrate to other countries. In the short term, we also want to see uh, the country's economy to grow. We want to see more stronger companies that can absorb more more youth into employment. In the long run, as an organization, we want to create a fund, a youth a youth startup fund, which really is to support you know very early idea stage startups support them guide them along the way and help them to um, get financing because they cannot get it from anywhere else and uh, also to support those that would not you know you th- who don't have rich uncles who are you know living in informal settlements who may not um, have access to an uncle that has assets or or, or he's a guarantor so supporting that, so creating a fund is really our long-term. So our long-term vision is to do that, maybe like a million-dollar fund. We want the hub that we've recently built, uh, Hargeza Hub or Har Hub, to continue to support much greater numbers of, of entrepreneurs, and you know, trying to create the new, you know, the next Google, the next Facebook, to hopefully come up from from Somalia and Somaliland.
0: So I'm going to push back on something before I ask you the final question. You mentioned, you know, you want to stop this brain drain and incentivize people to stay home and and make the country work. I guess there's a side of me that feels some kind of way about that in the sense that when a country does well, it becomes part of what's going on in the world and we all become sort of global citizens and this issue of sort of brain drain or talent flight or whatever you call it becomes far less of an issue when things work. And I suppose there's a side of me that's also a bit skeptical because there's clearly an agenda in developed parts of the world to prevent refugees from making their way to Europe and the Americas and wherever they're not wanted. So there seems to be this desperate scramble to ensure that everyone's happy and stays home, which again has its benefits and you can argue positively in that direction but I, I'm looking for words to, to sort of wrap this up in a, in a nice nutshell but there it is.
1: To be honest with you um, for me brain damage is one of the sort of uh, destroyers of, of, of I, I believe in, of any country because if, if all your smart people are, are you know migrating and leaving your country um, that means you will, you know, your doctors will not be there um, therefore the citizens will be dissatisfied with the health system your lawyers will leave um, therefore, they will be, you know, dissatisfied with the legal system and the justice system in the region. Uh, though your best uh, politicians will no longer be there and probably, you know, go into other places to uh, to work. And therefore, you're going to get these um, uh, people who may not be, you know, fit for office uh, that will fill these positions. For me, I really, really believe that keeping these people in the country is, is for the for the greater good. It may be a selfish thing for the country. For maybe a a thing for in terms of individually individual level but it's for good for the country because you, you keep these people you give them opportunities you let them stay and you let them flourish and this will contribute to the growth of the country and the region
0: fair enough final question there are some ideas people have about the role technology plays in a place like Somalia and Somaliland the idea that perhaps if everyone had a smartphone in their hand you know things would be awesome or if internet access was just widespread and inexpensive, you know, lives would be changed. And I'm, I'm not trying to diminish the, the impact of you know, those two things necessarily. But give us an idea of the technologies that are trending in your region and why. And they don't necessarily have to be high tech.
1: Okay, what's trending in technology in, in Somalia and Somaliland really is you know, social media like Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, especially WhatsApp groups especially WhatsApp groups, more interestingly, is uh, now being used by older people to, to, to raise funds for specific community courses, where there's um, you know, a, a new school being rehabilitated. To, so they set up a WhatsApp group to do that. Um, the more younger generations, they're using you know, Facebook, they're using, um, uh, more recently, Snapchats, uh, Instagram, and that kind of stuff. Um, in terms of uh, other sort of technologies that's been used, it's, it's, it's really the phone. So people like to talk. So we have really cheap uh, calling rates uh, in the region. So you know, for example, Telisom is the largest telecommunication company, followed by Somtel. And um, although these two companies do not interact and they don't have interconnection, people can only talk to you know, Telesum to Telisom or Somtel to Somtel. But our internet in, in urban in urban areas is extremely fast. It's really really good. Um, but when you go to rural uh, areas, it's almost non-existent. That's when then. You know, in our work, for example, SMS and IVR systems, which are all technologies, come really, really handy because you don't need, you know, you don't need um, uh, internet to be able to operate this. Uh, and in some places like um, in South Central Somalia, internet has been banned by extremist groups. So people only results in using just a simple mobile phone to be able to, you know, connect, to be able to call uh, and text. So, yeah, so these things are what's trending. And, and more recently, we're seeing, you know, mobile apps, that uh, you know, s- similar to Uber, um, that you know you can use to to get your your, your ride for your taxi. <laughs> yeah.
0: I want to I want to give a shout out to Delivery. All the guys and girls working hard um, to to deliver food out there, man. We see you, fam.
1: <laughs> yeah. So our friend Dek, his name is Deck. Uh, he's he set up a, a, a new, very innovative um, food delivery company called Gulivery. Gull- uh, which basically means, goo means uh, it's, just, it's for, for house, and then livery is a delivery. So it's mixing Somali and English. But it's, it started in Somaliland.
0: Uh, see, I didn't even pronounce it right. I said calivery It's kulivery. Yes. We see you, Dick.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he started in Somaliland, and he did a great job. Um, I think he's still functioning there, and now he's moved to you know, a bigger market in, in Mogadishu on South Central Somalia. And I think he's doing very well. But there's new other ones that have also, uh, you know, came up with Safari. I think Safari... There's uh, f- a new one that I know of that's uh, about to be launched in in Somaliland.
0: So this on-demand economy trend is is starting to infiltrate. Absolutely, yes, and
1: and, and there's so many other ideas
0: that are coming up now. There's even uh, event management
1: applications that's now been talked of by one of our one of our um, colleagues. Young people are now you know turning into you know creating mobile apps. It's also uh, uh, actually an app which Shardon is also uh, supporting through the Hargeisa hub. Uh, which we worked with microsoft on which is also uh, developing a um, uh, a university taxi application called um, trifi it's a very interesting thing tr- and it's also a new app
0: it's also being started so are you mentioning things that are like really making headway in into mainstream culture or are these just good ideas that are floating around if i came to mogadishu if i went to Somaliland, would people know what i'm talking about if i named these guys these
1: guys are now only just, you know, really starting up. they only recently been awarded the funds to actually start up their businesses. Um, and they're doing some amazing stuff. And there's also a new blood bank application. Uh, they have a very, very interesting story. But it's the first sort of blood mobile app that has been done in the region, in in, Som- in Somalia and Somaliland. Um, so these are, at the moment, they are just starting up. They're startups just starting up. And we, we expect them to be growing much faster.
0: All right, man. Listen, I love this immersion I've just had in a, in a country I'm yet to visit. I look forward to doing so in, in good time. I've heard only good things about um, your organization, your commitment to doing market-relevant work and not allowing your, your mission to be hijacked by interests who frankly would love to look good doing things that don't matter as much. This is what I've heard about you. One day I'll come visit and see it for myself. But for now, it suffices to say, I'm grateful that you made time to be on, on this podcast. I have to thank you, Mustafa Othman. Thank you so much for being on the African Tech Roundup, man.
1: Thank you very much.